0: Talk Back Gardening with John Lamb and Deb Try
1: on ABC Radio Adelaide, South Australia and Broken Hill.
0: Good morning. Happy Saturday Christmas Eve to you. Probably out busy in the garden now, trying to get it looking as beautiful as you can if you've got guests and family arriving tomorrow for Christmas Day. You might be celebrating tonight. We're very much happy to be with you on this Christmas weekend. John Lamb. Good morning.
2: Good morning, Deb, and good morning, listeners, and particular good morning to gardeners. Yes, it's our first hot, really hot spike for the season coming up, and probably the most, uh, the best advice I can give is start, the water running now, turn the taps on and water the garden, I think probably with a heat wave coming our way. But uh, it's our first spike and many people tomorrow will be given a living plant as a Christmas plant. What to do with the plant? During the heat wave, and in particular once the heat wave gone. We're going to have some pretty hot weather during January, so we're going to call on one of our top. Gardeners and top uh, experts in plant management. John Hall, John Hall is—I was going to say—is a garden manager, but he's no longer a garden (laughs) manager. (laughs) He stepped down, and uh, the garden uh, manager, uh, 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 he—the garden center that he. uh, was managing, is probably one of our oldest garden centres in South Australia. Good morning to, la la, John Hall. Good
1: morning, John Lamb, and good morning, listeners. Yeah, it was, is it the oldest garden centre? Well, we're, we're um, yeah, look, it. it Historically, yes, we, we are, but not in a continual sense. We, we started business in the mid-1850s and uh, uh, went on through to about the 1920s and there was a period through to the 1930s that uh, we didn't trade. My grand, grandfather didn't trade. Uh, he went on to grow horseradish and all manner of things to, to make a living because he went headlong into the Depression. Following the Depression, he then came out of that and built the nursery up, and uh, the rest is history. But, yeah, fifth generation now is in, in charge. Five generations.
0: Isn't that incredible? So if you've got a question for John, particularly about caring for your plants across summer... Give us a call right now on 1300 222 In case you weren't listening before the 9 o'clock news, I do have a couple of wonderful ABC Gardening Australia Christmas packs to give away to you, uh, a very large and gorgeous 2023 calendar and diary to go with it as well. So I'm asking you to register. All you need to do is just send in your name, full name, postal address, and either your favourite summer herb that you might be using on your Christmas table or your favourite f- summer flower, and tell us why. We're getting so many people. We're going to shut down registrations at about quarter past nine so that Emma can cut up the names and put them in a hat and we can draw out the winners. So the text line is 0467 Text that through in the next 10 minutes, please. But get on to John Hall now on 1300 222 And, of course, John will be speaking to... Another garden centre manager a little bit later in the program as well.
2: Brett Draper will take a look at how to keep your plants cool using a very innovative system that's being used to keep people cool. (laughs) But we're going to adapt it to plants. More about that later. Our guest right now is John Hall, who was the manager of one of the big tea tree gully garden centres or the tea tree gully garden centre. Uh, But uh, with five generations, uh, obviously it's all in the family.
1: Yes, and uh, I think a lot of experience has been passed through and I hope I've passed that through to my son. Son, Dan. Daniel, yeah. yeah Daniel's uh, now uh, uh, running the the, uh, the business and uh, looking like... Uh, well, he's been with me 27 years. He should know something by now. <laughs>
2: I think I've been talking to you on Talkback Gardening for that long. Oh, but anyway, well, now, listen,
1: it's Christmas
2: time. People often like to give a living plant for Christmas. What are
1: people rushing in and saying? I want one of those. Yeah, look, and rushing in is is the operative word here because uh, I was saying earlier that um, purchasing plants for gifts is often left to the last moment because people don't have somewhere to hide them. They can't put them in a cupboard or under the bed um, in uh, in uh, anticipation of the day. So, and and, yeah, they're conscious that it's so fragile that it could be uh, go out of flower or break a branch or something like that. So um, they're they're rushing in, and uh, there's this observation I make every year: is that a lot of people coming in buying plants are are not. Commonly, people that buy plants are not the gardeners. They're buying them as gifts, often often for a gardener,
2: and buying the wrong plants.
1: And they're quite often the wrong plants. So we just spend a bit of time trying to see that they're going home with the right thing that might be a successful plant for the recipient. What's the most popular plant at the moment? Oh, look. It a toss-up between hydrangeas and uh, poinsettias, um, but indoor plants generally are becoming big gift items because there's such a diverse range these days. Yes, uh, and what
2: about good gardeners? What are good gardeners giving another good gardener? Uh,
1: look, uh, I, I think fruit trees are always one of the best gifts you can give to, to keen gardeners. Um, but, you know, I was saying earlier, we've sold a lot of camellias leading up to Christmas, which is totally the wrong time of the year, but we ha- have a great selection of them and And, uh, um, yeah, a a keen gardener would be very, very pleased to receive a Camellia. You have a wonderful
2: knowledge of plants, and in particular, how the plant grows, and particularly growing plants under different kind of conditions. And we want to take a look at a heat spike coming. So uh, let's uh, say it's today, which is it's today, and people are going to wrap up their plants what should they do? Should they water before they wrap and end up with a soggy wrapper or
1: what what to do today? I would certainly urge them to to wrap a plant that's nice and moist. So possibly would have been better to water it yesterday and wrap it today. Um, Look, a lot of the garden centres wrap for you and, yes, just stipulate that... uh, be sure that they're well watered or moist before they're wrapped. But a point I like to make is a lot of the cellophane wrapping and, and enclosing type wrapping um, is deleterious to the plant success because it, it's nice for presentation and transport, but you'd need to get that wrap off as soon as you can after, after receiving it uh, because it creates a very artificial environment in there and then you get all sorts of things growing that shouldn't grow. Um, but yeah, look, uh, moisture is important because the thing's going to flag very quickly once once it uh, comes out, yeah.
2: Well, the plants have been... <clears throat> the, the, the wrapping has been removed and there's the plant mm-hmm. and uh, with the knowledge that it's going to be pretty hot on Christmas Day and even hotter the days after. What to do? To water or not?
1: Yeah, look, you've got... To detect the the moisture level in the soil, this' just watering because you know you think they should be watered because it 's hot can do more damage, so yeah look be certain that the plant is in need of water um, it, you' know, just misting it and just throwing some moisture around um, to to uh, soften the plant's uh, reaction to the heat, but yeah, watering at the root level uh just unnecessary can cause more. Fungal problems in the root system And cause some root rot or whatever So You've got uh, a nice
2: plant given to you And you're not really a, a plants person, how do you know When it needs watering or if it needs watering
1: Feel and look at the soil surface I think that's one of your main things And feel the weight of the pot, the weight of the pot Will give you a, a good insight into How much water's there And uh, a lot of these mixes if Particularly indoor plants these days are, are just pure peat or Core peat um, And yeah, they become very light once the moisture's uh, absent, so... Uh, so when you
2: say, look at the... or feel the weight, uh, just uh, explain the difference between sort of a dry plant and, and a, a plant that doesn't need watering, or, or doesn't need watering. Um, well,
1: the, well, the difference is that, um, you know... Th- if the pot feels really light uh, and there's a need water, the plant will start showing some reactions very quickly. If it's a spathiphyllum, for example, the leaves will just collapse on you. Um, if it's a succulent, well, that's a different issue uh, again. So uh, it's uh, depend on what sort of plant we're talking about, but uh, the the impact is going to be. Uh, um, uh the plant's going to deteriorate quickly if it's absent in water, so yeah give it give it some water to to uh, offset that uh, effect of the heat John Hall, Garden centre manager. Well, former
2: Garment Centre manager, but not quite retired yet. I think he's still very much involved. But uh, uh, location is an area that uh, we need to talk about, and uh, certainly uh, questions. I think uh, probably we need to.
0: Well, yes, we might just get. We've got lots of people that are lining up for general talkback questions, and pretty much, John. I think you can take any question at all. So we'll get Happy some calls. we we'll get some calls going for you in just a moment. But the number is one three hundred triple two. 891.
1: So location, location, location. Why is that so important? Well, look, you know, firstly if we're dealing with gift-giving plants, you know, we're talking mainly hydrangeas, um, poinsettias, indoor plants, a lot of flowering things. they come coming into the house and you've got to be very careful uh, where you place them in the house. Now for the short term, for the few days over Christmas, there's, there's not a, a great deal to take into consideration. Although All plants require plenty of light. So you've got to be very careful that they don't go into too dark a place for too long. You know, like a lovely hydrangea to put on the dining room table for the day. It's a lovely flower. A bunch of flowers uh, is, is there fine until probably Boxing Day, but you then need to be moving to where there's more light and get it outside as soon as you can. You've got to understand what plant you're receiving, I guess. Hydrangeas are outdoor plants. If it's a fuchsia, it's an outdoor plant. But a hydrant, set uh, poinsettias, they can stay inside for months and months. And indoor plants, well, they are pretty much designed to be inside. But light is just such an important aspect of keeping plants alive. Less light, the less they can photosynthesize. And naturally, the less they're going to be able to sustain themselves. So, um, yeah, it, look, no plant is designed to live with us, let's be honest here. <laughs> uh, so the more you can make it a, a, a reasonable location in the house, for them, um, the, the better they're going to perform for you. But outdoor plants, please work at getting them outdoor as soon as you can after Christmas. And please don't go from, a say, um, a, a, to a very bright location. Ease them to more light as you take them outside.
2: How useful are uh, the other labels that are on the plants?
1: Oh, mostly they are. They give good, reliable information these days. So a lot of work goes into... Um, you know, making sure people understand what they're taking on with a plant. Uh, and a lot of people that are selling plants these days don't have the knowledge to tell you how to look after it. So uh, it's where the hardware stores and all that sort of thing can sell plants and they don't need to know anything about them.
2: So there are little symbols on there, and if it's got a little symbol of sun, uh, that's obviously sun, and if it's got clouds, it's it's not.
1: Yeah, well, they give you a little bit more detailed information on that, but yeah. You've got to understand also that it's written for the whole of Australia. And, you know, a plant (laughs) sold in Darwin has totally different treatment to something that's sold in Hobart. So,
2: Good good reason for going to a garden centre and talking to people that know what they're talking about. Uh, My word. uh, The other area uh, about Christmas is Christmas trees. People love to have a living Christmas tree. And what to do with the Christmas tree? How long can you uh, keep it inside... uh, Uh, covered with the lights and tinsel,
1: how long before it goes out and what to do? I I urge people to get them out as soon as they can after Christmas, after the day, and, and I try to urge people not to take a living Christmas tree into the house too soon either. Two weeks is probably the absolute limit, and... The transition from indoors to outdoors then is absolutely crucial for the success of the plant. They need to be eased out into more light. Um, hopefully the tree in the house is in a fairly well-lit position anyway, uh, and this, keeping them wet in there, in, inside is very important, but by the same token, if you're overwatering, you'll soon wreck the root system too, particularly on some of the, the Pisces and Pinuses and that yeah. sort of
2: thing. What happens if you take uh, uh, your Christmas tree and, and, and from inside
1: and put it out in the sun straight away? It'll just absolutely collapse on you. The, the, it'll drop its needles, the needles will go brown and yeah, that'll be the end of the plant. Yeah, you know, conifers don't rebound like a, another thing, something else, you just cut it back. And you know, hydrangea, for example, you could put hydrangea straight out. It's going to fry it, but you'd cut it back, put it back in the shade and it'll come back for you, but a pine won't. Hmm.
0: Mm. If you have got a plant question, we have got John Hall, the man that can answer it for you, with, of course, John Lamb, who is always here answering your questions. The phone number to call is 1300 222 Talk Fat Gardening with John Lamb and Deb Tribe
1: on ABC Radio Adelaide,
0: South Australia and Broken Hill. We have got a couple of ABC Gardening Australia magazine prize packs to give away. Thank you for your registrations. There are a lot of them. It's going to be um, Emma's job to go through and, and pick a couple of winners. But we ask you for herbs. John, I have to say, Basil, By a country mile is the favourite summer herb. In fact, one listener said summer god of flavour is basil and I thought that was a good way to describe it. Ba-
2: Basil so- basilosaurus, I think we can call uh, it Yes, basilosaurus.
0: <laughs> They're also sage, thyme, coriander, mint, dill, oregano Summer savoury uh, Garlic, chives, chervil And even borage came through So lots of different summer herbs In the flowers we've got Vincas, roses, marigolds, mandevillas. Uh, Queen Anne's lace, sunflowers, poinsettias, hoyas and a lemon tree was nominated. <laughs> Not quite a flower. Uh, but anyway, we'll have a look through. We've got to pin those names into a hat and draw the prize winners. We'll let you know before 10 o'clock. Uh, so hang in and listen to that. But right now we've got our very special guest here who is John Hall from Newman's Nursery, one of Australia's, uh, South Australia's most experienced plantsmen and garden centre managers and Rose from Worridul, I can't speak today, Warridale. It's Christmas, Warridale, You've got a question about a happy plant rose. Welcome to the program.
3: Yes, yes, thank you. Look, it's it's beautiful. It's um, um one, two, three, four, five, six um, uh, what um canes, if you if, if you know what I mean, the happy plants that look like little miniature canes, and they and they and they're intricately uh, um intertwined, in, and what I'm experiencing is I bought it through the week, and it was beautiful with the leaves and everything, but now that some of the leaves look like they're, they're dying uh, from the bottom uh, of the shoots.
2: Could you um, give us what, a bit better description of the fact that they're dying? They can die in many different ways. Okay. Yeah, just a okay. better description of that.
3: Uh, well, or they're drooping, and um they 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 kind of look like they're drying uh I watered i watered twice through the week yesterday and um early in the week uh, so it can't be from lack of water and I can't tell what the condition of the soil is because there's little um it's like a little rockery uh on the surface That's... um uh, they they're kind of—I don't know what, what sort of rockery it is—but
2: they're stuck together. All right. It sounds like it's a pretty little unhappy kind of a plant, uh, rather than being a happy plant. <laughs> yeah, John, yeah. can you
1: can you cheer the plant up a little bit?
3: Uh, well, well, look, Rose,
1: the, the leaves that are showing the uh, symptoms are they lower on the 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 canes, yeah. and the top yeah. ones are are, are looking sustained.
3: Yep, the top ones are healthy.
1: Yep. Yeah, Look, it may not be anything much to to worry about. It, lower leaves on a plant are, are normally being turned over. I mean, the plant's discarding the old leaves as it makes new leaves. Oh. Um, so I, I can't imagine why this has happened in such a short time, seeing as you've only just got it. But yeah. um, look, I, if it was an environmental change of environment that was causing it, the top leaves would be, you know, uh, exhibiting the symptoms the same. So, yeah, I, I'd just be cutting those away and I expect that that's all that's taking place, a natural turnover of the leaf. But, but two waterings in a week, maybe, just uh, don't overwater. Yeah, look, they're they pretty tough. I, I think you can grow them in water pretty much. So, yeah, I, uh, but I know the plant you're referring to because they put the they the, the stick, the pebbles on the top for decorative reasons and it's it's great because the plant can fall over and soil doesn't fall everywhere. But um, yeah, look, just when you water, make sure it gets a good soak and then give it a good spell between waterings to just see you're not keeping it waterlogged.
3: Uh, well, my problem is I want to give it away as a present tomorrow, and that's why I'm um, panicking a bit. Yeah, no. look, I
1: understand, but yeah, I, I feel certain that the the lower leaves that are showing the symptoms could be discarded. Take those off, and, and okay. I'd, I'd expect that it's not going to continue doing that.
0: Okay, thank you so much. Thanks very much for the call, Rose. Lovely to hear from you and, and what a, a lovely name to have as well. Um, oh, now we've just got some more generalized questions. So um, let's have a look here. Lynn from Aldinga, where where is she? Hi Lynn. Now what were Hello. your hi, what were your questions, Lynn? Um, just two quick ones. Um I heard John well,
4: I missed it, but I, I heard John mention um, cutting back petunias that have got leggy. I've got two pots that have got petunias that were looking lovely but they're really leggy now and I'm just wondering about cutting them back. And then um I've got two hydrangeas also in pots that the plants themselves are beautiful but the flowers um and I know they're not technically flowers, but the flowers are um not looking great. They've got flowers on the outside of the um of the uh, stem or whatever, but in the middle there's no flowers
2: Alright, and the hydrangeas, how long have they been inside or are they already outside?
4: Well, they, well they're at, they've been always been outside I bought them last year oh, okay. and they—and um, I had them in the garden up until it started getting a bit warm and I've put them in under the veranda now
2: John two interesting ones there first of all petunias uh, they tend to particularly if they're not in very good light uh, tend to stretch and even yep. in the sun uh, by the end of summer they've stretched uh, to cut back and if we do cut back how much do you cut back and then what do you also do to stimulate the plant
1: yep now look uh, Lynn uh, the, the petunia have they flush with a nice lot of flower and the flower's finished.
4: Yeah. Oh, yeah. no, they're still
1: flowering. Oh, they're still flowering. But they're, and the,
4: petun- the petunias, are, they're out in the sun. Yeah, the um, petunias
1: are, I'm, I'm actually dealing with at the moment. Um, yeah, if the petunias had a lot of flower on, they tend to then start setting seed. Um, um so you'll see they almost look like flower buds, but they're no longer a flower bud. They're actually seed pods. So they're stretching out. If you cut that back, you're going to, one, get rid of those seed pods and the, the <laughs> effort it takes for the plant to develop the seed, and really they're an annual. That's all they're designed to do is make seed and then die. So by cutting the seed away and pruning them back, you're going to stimulate the plant's need to get back into growth and make more flower, uh, and I'd certainly be doing it. Um, if they're in a very, very hot Position, you might get a, yeah a bit of a bad reaction. I don't know whether you can put any shade cloth over them or anything like that, just to offer some protection until they start covering their stems with uh, foliage again. But okay. um, yeah, look, cutting back is all you can do with the plant. Otherwise, it's going to. Just sprawl everywhere and only have spot flowerings until they produce enough seed and then they'll die. All right, and the hydrangea, particularly the factor that it's flowering, part of the flower is is open
2: and part of it is not.
1: Yeah, well, uh, the... the What Lynne's described, I'm just wondering whether it's that hen and chicken style hydrangea that only carries its florets on the outside and then the insides uh, are just these little buds. Um, Mm,
4: That's
1: what it looks like. Yeah, well, I imagine it's a a hen and chicken type uh, hydrangea. what was the other term? They give them fried eggs or something like that. But anyway. <laughs> Poached egg, maybe. Uh, yeah. So, look, um, I don't think you can expect any more from that. That That's pretty much how the hydrangea goes. Keep, keep the moisture up to them. Um, and, uh, look, the the flowers should you know, continue to develop for about another six weeks. But then mm-hmm. then let the flowers then just start to dehydrate on the plant and become a sort of a feature in their own right. John, while you Okay.
2: Uh, well,
4: well, All right, thanks very much. Thanks,
0: Lynn.
2: Yes, well, while you're here, we need to come back to Helen's question about a Hoya. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes people have got Hoyas and they look lovely uh, leaves, uh, but they never have the
1: flowers. Yeah what to do <laughs> be mean to them be hard <laughs> be tough because you know, that's the only way you really get the flower and hoyas well time is a uh, a big issue and i heard that it was a four-year-old hoya that she had um so it should be getting to flowering age because they do take quite a while but yeah feeding and keeping it growing lushly is going to give you that only the flowers will be very shy right. so, and,
2: and, and repotting is not the thing to do no
1: keep, <laughs> keep, keep <laughs> them in a tight pot um, don't feed them too much just keep them healthy um, water's still essential but uh, uh, I, I've seen some very neglected Hoyas <laughs> that flower up beautifully but you look at the plant and it's not in very good order and that, that, that's unfortunately the thing is you've got that trade-off you lose its vigor but you get your flower People get a plant and uh, it's in a small container, it might be a
2: a little herb and it's only in a little uh, 10 centimetre container, or even sort of a flowering plant and it's in a little Mm -hmm. 15 centimetre container, and they think, oh, I must repot it. Uh, Should you repot it at this time of the year, or uh, what to do?
1: Look, I I believe you can. If the plant needs repotting, I think doing it carefully now is not a problem, but do see that the plant is ready to be potted on. Don't don't pot something on just because you'd you'd like it in a much bigger pot. Um, I like to keep a plant within the proportions of the pot, so well proportioned to the size pot it's in, um, and have a feel around the top if it's really compacted with roots, you, you'll probably find it's uh, um, in need of potting, and the other thing is, is if it reacts quickly to drying out, it's just simply hasn't got a big enough root system to, to get enough water um, taken up from the soil. So um yeah repotting now just just care do it in the evening not in the the middle of the heat of the day um and if it's a plant you've disturbed the roots a lot you might just trim it back but it's a bit hard without being sure what plant we're talking about
2: i have a general rule i have hundreds of plants in pots in my Mm -hmm. backyard in my courtyard and they're continually being moved and grown and repotted and my basic rule, which I never depart from, even if it's in the middle of winter, once it's repotted, it always goes into complete shade with bright light. And if you put your plants into shade, not in the sun, uh, it gives them that opportunity to just readjust.
1: That's right. And and in a production nursery, a lot of the, the repotting en masse, things are put into glass houses for a period to toughen up, then go outside.
2: John Hall is our guest, and we're talking plants and keeping the plants going during the hot, hot weather. As we move into January, I suppose uh, there is going to be a fair amount of concern. So let's take a look at the plants that you know and love and talk about Mm. so often, camellias and azaleas, Mm
1: -hmm. getting them through the hot part of Christmas and New Year. Well, first and foremost, they need to be in the right position to suit that type of plant. So hopefully your camellia or your hydrangea or rhododendrons or any of that cool climate plant are in shade and protection. And it's this hot weather that's coming. It's not just the heat of the weather we're about to experience. It's the dry air that comes along with it. You go to Sydney and Melbourne, you'll see camellias, azaleas and rhodes out in a lot more light, because they will experience a similar temperature but they have a humidity in their atmosphere. We have a very dry air and we've got to do what we can to keep the moisture about the plant. So mulching with something that holds moisture is always beneficial. That keeps an envelope of humidity around the plant. Um, Make sure it's out of the afternoon sun. Drying winds are also a, a great issue there. So protection for the plant all up. But uh, a little aid we have these days uh, available to us. And I, in fact, I only did mine last night. Um, I went around to all the comedians and I felt were in a challenging position. because so I've got a new garden and I've got a lot of comedians going in. Uh, and I'm just <laughs> testing the, the plants a little bit. So I'm using a thing called drought shield. And drought shield is a, a like spraying your plants with a uh, a sunscreen Uh, it's a polymer that goes on that doesn't do any harm to the plants often gives the plants actually quite an attractive gloss to the leaf uh, and it just reduces transpiration and uh, i'm getting some fantastic results i mean japanese maples that traditionally the very fine japanese the dissectums those leaves really burn really badly come this hot weather yes well, there's polymer on them. Oh, seriously, I, so I cannot believe how it transforms right. them.
2: So drought shield and wilt knot is another version of the same thing. Yeah, that's
1: a commercially available one where you buy it in 20 litre drums. By, okay. Yeah. Well. Um, but look, yeah, wilt knot, um, if that was available, both it's work the same thing. for... Uh, yeah. yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, one, uh, You were talking
2: so much about humidity. It's just the humidity is the problem. And uh, we're going to have some pretty hot, dry days... Your thoughts on just hosing the plants, particularly azaleas and camellias, plants in your courtyard, just going around and just squirting
1: water in the middle of the day? It, it, it... Not my favourite thing to do. I'd, I'd rather see that that's done in the morning in preparation for a hot day and at the end of the day to cool the plants down and make sure there's plenty of humidity. But yeah, hosing plants down in the middle of the day do have some issues that, that could, could be detrimental. But throwing it around at ground level, that's fine, but on the foliage, no. All right, and, and later in the program we'll be talking about
2: misting plants, but uh, Brett Draper will be our guest at that stage, and uh, uh, we'll put that to one side. John Hall, thank you very much for making yourself available and coming all the way down from beyond <laughs> Tree Gully from your new lovely
1: garden. I mm. bet you're enjoying that. Oh look, I, I am. It's keeping me very busy. I don't know where I ever found time to go to work. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: I, I know that feeling well. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so, a uh, Merry Christmas and all the best for the New Year. And, Merry and I'm Christmas sure to you. our paths will uh, cross many times in Talkback gardening. Let,
1: let's hope so. So, thank you.
0: Thank you, John. Merry Christmas and thanks for joining us, which you have throughout the year here on Talkback Gardening. And as John just said, we look forward to 2023, you joining us again. Thank you.
1: Thank you very much. Merry Christmas to all.
0: Merry Christmas from John Hall. Lovely to have him in the studio. We're getting back to your general Talkback Gardening questions in just a moment. This texter says on the back of John's words, all watering now, uh, finished, now onto the drought shield. So someone doing exactly what John Hall has been doing himself. Merle from Murray Bridge is waiting. We'll tell you who the two winners are of our ABC Gardening Australia prize packs as well in just a moment. Talk back Gardening with John Lamb and Deb Tribe
1: on ABC Radio Adelaide, South Australia and Broken Hill.
0: Now Merle from Murray Bridge has been waiting patiently. Merle, you'd like to prepare a raised garden bed. Yes, good morning.
3: I've acquired a raised garden bed that hasn't had anything in it for at least two years. And I want to plant my winter veg in, in mid-March and I have wet compost with worms, but I don't want to put that on as the worms will <laughs> die and also have cow or chook manure or bird poo or straw.
2: So how do I prepare it? Right. How deep is the raised garden bed?
3: Oh, it's only, I just want to put garlic in there. It's only about uh, 18 inches.
2: Oh, very, very low. Yeah. yeah. So it's a little metal one, is it? Or it's got wood yes, around the edges? Yes. A little metal yes. one? Yes. Righto. And has it got soil in there? At, uh, or uh, go, Yeah, right. yeah.
3: It's got soil in it, but it hasn't been used for a couple
2: of years. Righto. And uh, the soil that's in it, is it garden soil or is it pre-improved? Yes, it's uh, garden loam. It's nice soil. Okay. Well, I would suggest if you want to grow vegetables, that's the aim? Yes. Yes. Righto. Um, I would buy a bag of uh, probably good quality potting mix and mix Mm -hmm. that up with your existing soil. Garden soil, even though in Murray Bridge I presume it's fairly sandy and it's probably, has it got a fair amount of organic matter in it?
3: Yeah, it would be garden loam from the... Loam place, all right.
2: Yep. Well, uh, garden loam is is better than just garden soil, but uh, it needs more air in it. Uh, You need between the little particles, you need lots of air. And if you buy potting mix, a good quality potting mix, and uh, it doesn't have to have fertiliser in it. One that uh, that's got the uh, black ticks on it rather than the red ticks on it. Uh, And uh, just mix that up with the existing soil. That will improve the quality of the soil. Uh, considerably and uh, that's about all you need to do if you wanted to you could probably uh, get a little bit of your worm compost and uh, maybe not yet, but towards the end of uh, January, early February, uh, you could put a, a, a layer of your worm compost over the soil, maybe two centimetres of worm compost over it, and dig that into the soil as well, so that come March, you're ready to put in your vegetables. Okay. That sounds like a a, a a good plan, good plan. Thank
0: you. Okay. Uh, Thanks Merle, Uh, good luck with that, Merle from Murray Bridge. Um, Phil from Somerton Park is on the line and you've got a problem with your tomato plants being too high, Phil.
2: That's correct, Uh, good morning guys and girls. Um, My tomato plants have gone uh, way above the fence line and getting a little bit hard to control. Am I able to cut them back to fence line? Does Does that hurt them? Rather than cut them back to fence line, uh, you could do that. Yeah. And what will happen is where you cut them back, they'll come back into very, very strong growth. And you'll have lots of little short branches, which will soon become long branches. Is it possible to look at your plant, uh, and it's not too tangled, that you could actually cut some of those big main stems back, probably by about 50%? So you come back almost, uh, uh, let's say you've got a two metre high fence, you cut back a, a, a metre below the top of the fence. Is that a possibility? There's a lot of fruit fruit on them. (laughs) Righto. Another thing you could do, uh, are there lots and lots of stems, or is it just a few? Oh,
4: well, at at the top of uh, of its height,
2: there's only a few, but it's very wide. These are um, mighty reds, um, and they, um, they're very bushy, and, you know, mid-sized. Yeah, no, mid- it's wonderful. Well, it's been a good growing season for uh, tomato plants. Uh, yeah. It hasn't been quite so good for fruit set and uh, uh, flowering, but uh, what I'd suggest is you look at the stems that have got to the top and say, righto, I'll pick uh, two or three and turn them down horizontally. So you might have two or three uh, uh, stems going to the one way and two or three going the other way. And by tying them down horizontally, uh, you'll find that'll slow it down no end. And if you've, okay. got, if you've got very, very long stems, do what they do in commercial greenhouses. They actually uh, have a tomato and it grows up, uh, say, uh, three metres high up to the top rail and it gets yeah. to the top. And then they just let it keep on growing and then they get it almost down to ground level and then they sort of let it go back up again. And you've got these uh, upside-down yews going along and uh, you keep the plants going right through the growing season. So if you yeah. get them down horizontal to start with and if you've got plenty of growth, get them uh, below horizontal. That slows its growth at the top and you get more growth down where you want it uh, in the middle of the canopy. Uh, but you'll also find that where you've got them horizontal, you'll get them nice new stems and from those stems you should get flowers and fruits.
0: Okay, thank you very much. Fabulous. Thanks for calling in, Phil. Nice to hear from you on this Christmas Eve weekend, or Christmas weekend really, isn't it? Uh, Adrian in Woodcroft, you're very lucky to have your passion fruit overladen with fruit, but it's causing a few problems.
1: It's not producing a lot of new leaves, and some of the leaves are yellowing.
2: So you need to know what to do there. Uh, the fruit, is it uh, at the stage where it's ready to be picked or is that still a, no. some time off?
1: Some of time off, they're all green.
2: And you're not getting any new growth at the end of the main stems? Are you getting new growth at all? No. Right, so there's something going wrong with your root system. I think to start with I would be uh, uh, removing maybe 50% of the fruit, um, you need to lighten the load and help it recover. Uh, then you've got to figure out why is it uh, going, the leaves going yellow. Uh, could it be that it's got uh, too much water in in springtime or could it be that, on the other hand, it, the root system has dried out? It's gone from wet to dry very, very quickly.
1: No, it's being kept watered.
2: Yeah, OK. Well, without... Seeing it, i don't know that I can give you an accurate situation, but uh, what to do, I suppose is the important thing don't overwater it whatever you do don't is is it mulched are the are the root systems uh, r- mulched
1: in very rich soil
2: it's good soil right but uh, is it mulched no. No, right So, So uh, the reason I, I asked that a, a couple of times there, Adrian, is because passion fruit have most of their roots uh, that uh, perform in the top 20 centimetres. They're surface-rooted, and on a hot day, uh, even though it's good soil, the sun beats down onto the roots, and the top 10 centimetres, if you put your thermometer in there, Uh, it would be nice if you had a thermometer, you could find out, but put a thermometer in there on a hot day and you'll find that top 10 centimetres is probably around about 40 degrees. And at 40 degrees, all those little roots near the surface stop growing. Some of them get uh, cooked. And so by mulching, you can make a very significant difference to the performance of your root system. And uh, uh, then... At the same time, I would be giving it, before your mulch, uh, use a seaweed product and water that into the root system and make sure when you do water, the water goes down about 30 centimetres rather than light waterings often. Deep watering infrequently would be far more effective. So if you can get your root system back into order, uh, order um, you'll find that you should get new growth. Uh, it may be worthwhile getting a foliar fertilizer, one that 's specific uh, for going in through the leaves, uh, go to a garden center and ask them for a foliar, not liquid fertilizer, and spray it onto the leaves and do that in a cool uh, during a cool spell. Uh, if you, all those things sh- should combine to help get your passion fruit back into good health.
5: Thank you very much.
0: Good luck, Adrian. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, Look, I've got the happy news of making two people very happy because we've got the ABC Gardening Australia Christmas prize packs for you. A beautiful big calendar and diary. Um, Can only be two winners, though. They've been drawn at random. And Sandy from Owen is the winner for the herbal plant. Says for the the plant, osteo...
2: Osteospermum.
0: Osteospermums, I always get the wrong, are so colourful and hardy. Putting up with the climate around my house, I have all the colours possible. I just love them. They also remind me of our childhood home as mum grew them in Adelaide. Sandy, congratulations, you've won one of them. And Monique in Belair, who said for the favourite summer herb, mint is my favourite herb to use at Christmas. It's so fresh and versatile. I use it for a fresh mint sauce, pop it on top of the pavlova with fresh fruit Add it to a light, bright Asian salad, not to mention a delicious addition to garnish a Christmas cocktail, mocktails and a must Add to a jug of water with lemon for a refreshing drink. Merry Two. Christmas. How many ways can you use mint?
2: Two wonderful suggestions, though. The osteosperma, my toughest as old boots, but so colourful. And as for mint, wonderful flavour. The important thing with mint, of course, is don't grow it in the garden. Grow it in a container. If it escapes, you'll it's have good. mint forever and ever. Amen.
0: It goes everywhere. Look, the good news is, if you missed out, we do have some New Year's prize packs to give away next weekend. So... Don't worry about that. And the other good news is I've got four ABC Gardening Australia magazines to give away right now. If you'd like to win, call in on 1300 222 The wonderful Brett Draper is up next. Talk Back Gardening with John Lamb and Deb Tribe on ABC Radio Adelaide, South Australia and Broken Hill. It's lovely to be spending this Christmas Saturday morning with you in Talk Back Gardening. And thank you to Jenny from Mitcham, who is listening from Cape Patterson in Victoria and wishes everyone a very happy Christmas. Same to you, Jenny, and to you wherever you are listening this morning. Um, it's just great to have you here. We'll tell you who our magazine winners are in just a moment.
2: Brett Draper is a wonderful colleague of mine. He also uh, sits in the chair that I sit in when I disappear from time to time. But Brett happens to be the manager of one of our major garden centres. And if you go into the plant section of uh, that garden centre, you'll find it's much cooler than other parts of the garden centre, particularly on a hot day. Why is it so? How can we learn from that situation? Good morning to you, Brett Draper. Oh, Brett.
5: Brett? Hello Uh, (laughs) there. Hello.
2: Yeah, we can hear you at last. G'day, Brett. I've just given you an intro, and uh, I'm just saying uh, you your little plant section in your garden centre is nice and cool and I need to know, why is it so?
5: Well, John, um, we've installed, and we have had it for a couple of years now, but a misting uh, system. Um, and we use that in uh, a certain area of the garden centre where we have some, well, some heat-sensitive plants, so plants that don't do particularly well on really hot days, so things like uh, gardenias and fuchsias and hydrangeas, and it's a little DUI kit, um, which you can purchase from a ir- good irrigation store or a hardware store. Um, and it's very simple to put together. Um, and uh, we just you just connect the hose to it. And when you pop that on, it actually drops the uh, temperature underneath the misters. By at least ten degrees, sometimes even fifteen degrees less um, than than not having actually under the misters themselves. The interesting and thing, what,
2: sorry, Dip, uh, uh, yeah. uh, Brett, <laughs> to interrupt there, but those little misting systems. Now they were introduced onto the market uh, to yes. cool down decks and patios and things like that to cool people down could you explain how they work how do they operate so that they're squirting out water how come you don't get wet and how come you get cool
5: sure john they have very very fine little nozzles on them which uh, um, work um, by forcing a small amount of water through which creates a mist or a fog so on a really hot day It actually really doesn't wet the area underneath. It just creates this mist or this fog, which does move around with the air. Like if it's a little bit of a breezy day, you can see it moving around in the air. Um, But because it's got these very, very fine jets, they're extremely water efficient and they, they don't use very much water at all. In fact, if you shorten your shower by about one minute, that's enough to run your mister for about two hours. So just by shortening your shower for one minute, so it just goes to show how water efficient they are.
2: And it's working um, on, on, the, on the principle that uh, when water evaporates, it actually uses or absorbs the heat. And so it, it's, as the, the water is coming squirting out of the jets and before it gets to you, it evaporates, but because it's evaporating, it's dropping the, the temperature.
5: That, yeah, that's correct, John. Absolutely, because one of the big things you need to be very careful of on a on a hot day is not to overwater plants. It's 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 important that plants are well watered, but you don't want excess water on the plants either because that causes other problems as well. So just having that evaporation. Uh, um, above them that cools that air temperature makes a dramatic difference Um, and look, you're right, these misting kits were really designed for uh, entertaining areas, um, but a lot of entertaining areas have got lots of plants around them as well, so you can can get the best of both worlds, you can enjoy your entertaining area and also your plants can enjoy staying cool during the really, really hot period.
2: Can you use it uh, only in the shade or would you use it in the sun? It would probably be useless doing it there, wouldn't it?
5: Yeah, look, most people um, install them on the edge between, um, you know, where, where the sun might be coming through. And then that mist will then drift in over the plant through that area. So it's probably, I mean, it, it's important that, that you have some sort of structure to put them on. So often it's used on a pergola or a veranda edge, if that makes sense, to allow the mist then to float down. I've got
2: a little greenhouse It's about three metres wide and only about a metre deep. And uh, like you, a couple of years ago, I came across this system in hardware stores. And uh, I've got three little nozzles, and it's on a timer, and it comes on for 30 minutes uh, every two hours. And instead of getting up to 40 or 50 degrees in my little greenhouse, it keeps it consistently under 30 degrees. And the plants think it's marvellous. And uh, I just think that... uh, it's out there for people, but perhaps it should also belong to plants.
5: Absolutely, John. And look, they're relatively inexpensive as well. They're only about uh, 40 to $50, um, but they can make a world of difference to protecting your really special plants.
2: And the average person can put those together?
5: Yes, John. They are very simple to put together. It's, it's very straightforward. Um, and they usually keep, usually comes with everything you need, including some little clamps to secure it to the structure that you might have.
2: Yes, it's brilliant, I think. And uh, I just wonder why more garden centres aren't doing what you're doing, uh, Brett. You walk into some plants and they're nice and shady, and it's a nice ambience. But to be able to keep your plants uh, at that sort of below thirty degrees, I think, can make a very significant difference. Uh, What are you going to uh, receive for Christmas from your friends, do you reckon?
5: Me? why well, I don't know, John. <laughs> <coughs> and I,
2: I, I, I won't ask what you're going to give because <laughs> the, your friends are probably listening. <laughs> That's
5: right, John, absolutely.
2: <laughs> uh, Brett, it's lovely working with you. You've got a wonderful plant knowledge and uh, it, it's nice that I can call on you from time to time as I disappear catch up with the kids or grandchildren and things like that. So thank you very much for your help during the year and uh, all the best for a wonderful festive season
5: thank you john and merry christmas to you dev and all the listeners
0: merry christmas to you as well brett and thank you for the <laughs> year just before i let you go jane on the text line has asked do you just ask for a mister to buy one of these callers it's a great idea what's the name that we give to it
5: yeah they are just a, just a garden misting kit or, or an outdoor misting kit yeah you'll find them um in, look if you go into any as i said any irrigation store or any hardware store in the irrigation uh, section you will find them as it just sold as a misting kit
0: wonderful well brett merry christmas to you and look forward to catching up with you again in 2023 Thank you. Thank you, Brett Draper, very well-known, a garden centre manager, Mm -hmm. a great Mm -hmm. knowledge, um, of course, incredibly involved in the Royal Adelaide Show, Horticultural Society. Congratulations to our magazine winners today, Caroline from Mintaro, Kaz from Hillcrest, Margaret from Port Lincoln, and Sean from Clare. We're going all the way around the state for our magazine prizes. And just uh, remember, we have got... Uh, another couple of prize packs for you when we get together on new year's eve and one of our winners that won the prize packs today says thank you so much for the wonderful prize you've made my christmas as i have covid and am unable to visit my mum who's on her own i'll share my prize with her as she's inspired my love of gardening oh that's lovely thank you very much i think that's from monique appreciate that as well well john lamb it is christmas weekend are you? We know what you're doing on Boxing Day. We know come Boxing Day you're sitting down to collate your year's worth of great performing plants. But what are you doing this Christmas weekend? Will you still find time to get into the garden?
2: Oh, yes. I can't wait to get home. Um, I'm a little bit obsessive, I suppose. I have collections. And uh, as I mentioned before, on a monthly basis, I, I record the best performers. And at the end of the year on Christmas Day, I collate those. And uh, it just the value of keeping records, and it's just a simple exercise book, you know, and a page for each month, uh, and and you write down the comments, and so that's very very valuable, but um, because of that, I have big collections of particular plants and right now I would have probably 50 or 60 uh, coleus and they uh, have gone from little cuttings into sort of little uh, 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 10 centimetre or half litre containers and they need to be put into one litre containers and that's what I'll be doing today and as I uh, mentioned earlier on when talking to John Hall the important thing is uh, where you put them and so uh, having repotted them in hot weather, they go into very uh, deep shade, but good light. Uh, If if, you can't have deep shade and good light, but in a shady, no no sun at all. Mm. And they'll stay there for a week. They re and then they can be uh, put around the garden and provide uh, a wonderful display. So uh, that's what I'm doing uh, today, apart from uh, getting ready for tomorrow. And uh, I've got uh, people coming along tomorrow morning. And <laughs> So meatballs, we're known for having meatballs on Meat- Christmas.
0: Christmas meatballs, oh, oh, there you go.
2: They're chicken. They're, they're absolutely glorious. But anyway, <laughs> I, r- I prattle on. <laughs> no, well, it's, it's lovely.
0: Lots of people doing it tough this Christmas, of course. Many displaced uh, people that uh, in Riverland communities. Uh, lots of people facing cost of living pressures and some people in isolation due to COVID. So it's another difficult Christmas for many South Australians. But um, uh, certainly hope you enjoy it in some way if you possibly can. John, we'll be back again to do it all New Year's Eve next Saturday morning. Y-
2: yes, it's a very, very special program next week where we take a look at gardening in a clay cl- cl- Changing Climate, two brilliant speakers. And we're going to take a look at are we growing the right plants or should we change the way we grow our plants as a result of uh, climate change? And Darren Ray will be one of those speakers. Dr Peter Heyman from Perza uh, is the other guest speaker. Mm-hmm. So don't make sure you're listening next Saturday's Talkback Gardening.
0: Please do. And don't forget, we'll have a couple of prize packs as well to give away for you as New Year's gifts.
2: Yes, and I'll say not only good gardening but all the best for christmas and uh, and a happy new year